Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, we're going pretty modern today after doing a whole bunch of older films. This is 2022. I Actually, I believe this movie came out on August 5th. Believe it or not. So this is fresh off the boat, as it were. And Craig, you chose this movie. This is They Slash Them a horror movie that premiered on the Peacock Network, which I believe is NBC's streaming service. Yep. I don't think this made it to the theaters, my understanding. No, it didn't. So it's just a it's a tele- made-for-television movie, but uh, the pedigree is quite interesting. Um, the director and writer of the film is John Logan. Uh, this is the first movie he's directed, but yep. uh, he got his uh, start in Hollywood as a screenwriter with the story for Any Given Sunday, went on to do Gladiator, <laughs> uh, The Last Samurai, The Aviator, uh, Hugo, uh, Skyfall, <laughs> Spectre. I mean, this guy, uh, he's going to be well off for uh, quite a while um, based on his residuals from all of these films that he's written that are big-time Hollywood blockbusters. But this movie's a little different. I Actually, I thought the title was quite cute. They yeah. slash them. This movie deals with a, uh, like basically what you would call a, a conversion camp uh-huh. for people who are uh, transgendered gay. And uh, they slash them. It's a slasher movie. Or yeah. I would say it's supposed to be a slasher movie. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think they kind of forgot. Like yeah, till like the end, and like oh shoot, and they were like oh shit, some people need to die. Yeah, <laughs> wait, th- wait, wait, this is a horror movie, and and that's that's not an outright criticism, but first of all, I don't think that this was made specifically for a streaming service. I have a feeling that they premiered it on a streaming service because they didn't anticipate that it would have the kind of widespread appeal that would be worth putting it in theaters. I don't think that they thought that they would get the return on it if they put it in theaters, so it went straight mm. to streaming. It's probably fair, yeah. Because it it feels like a theatrical release. It's well made. It's got a I would say a couple, but at least one big name attached. You know, Kevin Bacon plays a, a very, very prominent role, and he's a he's an A-list star, you know? And, oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, and um, like you said, the guy who directed it, John Logan, is a first-time director, but he, he's very established as a writer, has written some, you know, big blockbuster hits. So um, I think that it's got the talent behind it where i think this movie goes wrong a little bit and and i don't want to be terribly critical of it because i really appreciate the what i see as the effort is it didn't strike quite the right balance and i don't know that it would necessarily be possible to strike the right strike the right balance because i think john logan is an openly gay man in hollywood and i think that he had really good intentions um in terms of social commentary Mm -hmm. but i i don't know that it necessarily struck the right balance between social commentary and a horror movie. Yeah. And I think that that's really hard to do. Like, social commentary in horror is not uncommon at all. It happens all the time. We've done a ton of movies that have commented on everything from, like, nuclear warfare to and other environmental issues. Racism. Racism. <laughs> lots and lots of, yeah, of those, you know. And I think that maybe 
the one movie that has done the best at striking that balance is Jordan Peele's Get Out. Recently, yeah. Yeah, there was great... It it did strike that balance. This one, I think, is a little bit heavy on the social commentary and a little light on the horror. But I'm reluctant to even say that because the social commentary, I think, is important and I appreciate the message of the film. But, yeah, I'm I'm not sure it quite struck the right balance. I still liked it. I liked the movie. I enjoyed it. But I also know that there are going to be a lot of people out there who are going to thumb their nose at it and, you know, call it woke as though that's a criticism and, you know, say that it's, you know, it's too political or, or it's too, you know, it's shoving the message down your throat or whatever. I know that there are going to be those people out there and you and I try not to get preachy or overly political or anything, but I'm just going to say outright that, I am going to be unapologetically supportive of the message and and narrative of this movie. So if that's something, listener, that uh, <laughs> you are not in support of and that is going to, you know, irritate you, you may as well turn it off because I'm not going to apologize for my uh, enthusiastic support of the message of the movie. Sure. I mean, same here. I'm 100% in support of the message of the film, too. And I appreciate the effort and the the, the courage and whatever it takes, you know, in this day and age to, to get a movie like this made with some big name stars and put out there. It's certainly a little easier now than it used to be, but still, it's, you know, this. these are topics that are still very controversial, very political. We're arguing about these, in my opinion, way too much. But when it comes to art, this is always an issue, right? Uh, movies and are, are, are first and foremost entertainment. It tends to be, sadly enough, it tends to be when, when you try too hard to get a message across, sometimes the entertainment value gets lost right a little bit mm-hmm. for whatever reason and i i don't i don't think it's just because of people's personal hang-ups you know i don't think it's simply because i might be personally uh, affronted by the message they're trying to do or i might disagree and then that distracts me and keeps me from enjoying the movie no i i really mean that just sort of like getting a good entertaining movie out of a film that also was trying very very hard to like hammer home a message is tricky and difficult Sometimes it works, and sometimes it just comes across as, uh, you know, like trying too hard, you know, Uh or you get more message than substance, or you get more message than entertainment, quite frankly. Nobody wants to just be lectured for an hour and a half, and I I don't think this movie does that, but it it gets close. Yeah. It's definitely veering into that territory, And, and that's basically because... It kind of isn't a horror movie for the majority of the runtime. See, but the thing is, I think it is, but not in the way that we typically think. I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say, and I, I'm going to agree with you, but go on, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just going to say that, you know, like, in here somewhere is a standard camper slasher movie. But that's not what is the most horrifying about this movie. What's the most horrifying about this movie is that these kinds of conversion camps, maybe not to the extreme 
that is suggested here, but but they exist, and people send their children there to be converted and 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 changed and to challenge and 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 potentially try to change something essential to their identity and that is horrific to me yes and and I, and I think a lot of the stuff that we see in here is um real i i i think that the way that these young people are talked to I think it happens and, and a yes. lot of it a lot of it's direct and a lot of it is passive aggressive the passive aggressive stuff was the stuff that sickened me the most Kevin Bacon's character Owen Whistler is the proprietor of this camp and he starts out he introduces himself and he welcomes these young people to this camp I can't make you straight I don't want to make you straight gay people are a-okay with me. If you're happy the way you are, then more power to you. And I know what you're thinking. You hear the words gay conversion camp and you start to imagine all kinds of homophobic bullshit. Well, that is not what we're about here. But I'm guessing that some of you are here because in some way you're not happy. Maybe you don't fit in. People make fun of you. Maybe you want to find some new kind of peace, a new way of thinking about yourself. Well, you give us this week, and we might be able to help. And if not, just enjoy the sunshine and work on your tan. And it's bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's a bold-faced lie, and though he claims to be supportive of who they are um he's passive aggressive one of the main characters is named jordan and they're a transgender non-binary um person and they their pronouns are they them but kevin bacon constantly and i believe fully intentionally misgenders them Mm -hmm. and you know claims every time he does it and somebody calls him out he's like oh sorry my mistake no it's not a mistake you're doing it on purpose and uh, there's another trans character, a trans woman. This particular trans woman, her name is Alexandra. She's just ab- stunningly, stunningly beautiful. Um, she doesn't initially reveal that she's a trans woman. And when he finds out, he's all pissed off about it. And he angrily and intentionally misgenders and dead names her. And these things happen every day god yeah i'm getting emotional about it that's what i think is horrific about it and i think that that's what the writer director kind of wanted to expose he talked about you know you can't find a because this movie is so new there's not a whole lot of information out there about it in terms of like trivia and whatnot but john logan talked about how growing up representation of uh the lgbtq plus community in horror was never particularly flattering. You know, it was um, generally, you know, flamboyant and over the top and gay people were either victims, killers, or the joke. And that's, that's true. 
and having grown up in the 80s and watched that, you know, I just didn't question it because that's just how gay people were portrayed in movies and it didn't particularly bother me. But in hindsight, looking back, it's not it's not fair and it's not equal representation. And I, and that's the thing that I appreciated the most about this movie was that it brings all of these young people together and it does feel like fair representation. You've got a mm. variety of different types of queer people and they're unique and they're individual and uh, they're three-dimensional. Yeah. On that front, I think the movie's really successful. Yeah, that's one thing I really will say for it. Like, there's not stereotyping going on here. These feel like real people and there's there's not a caricature aspect to it. All these people feel like very real, very down-to-earth people which is uh, uh you know in service to reality <laughs> mm, yes <laughs> honestly yeah I, I mean it's just it's great and so for that i you know i was i was kind of on the edge waiting for some of that to happen for some reason but but it didn't and and that was good uh, and i agree with you also like kevin bacon's character of course we know what we're getting into we know that this movie is a horror movie so bad things are going to happen so immediately distrustful of all of the things that he's saying in the very beginning which i thought was a delicious you know speech oh yeah it's really good it's really good and this is the kind of double talk that people do all the time uh-huh. and they don't just do it about gender they do it about race yep. they do it ab- about a lot of things but they'll stand there oh you know no i i you know I, you can be who you are and i love everybody and blah 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 blah. and then at the end okay boys cabins are over here girls cabins are over there right right <laughs> right <laughs> just starts to walk away it's it's almost hilarious when that's done yet it's not done in a comical manner you know it's kind of a deadpan sort of Mm-hmm. humor I, I would say right immediately like you said our transgendered uh, main character here i would say jordan is immediately offended by and you know confronts him about it and then he's all like i'm sorry you're right maybe we do need a we do need a cabin for non-binary right mm-hmm. but uh for now can you please just maybe go to the the boy's cabin and if that's uncomfortable for you then we can talk Mm-hmm. It sounds fairly reasonable, I suppose, you know, considering everybody knows they're coming to this camp to be turned, you know, straight. Right. And also, for the most part, I kind of liked that everyone was sort of like, I mean, I would imagine, God, if I were not straight and I was sent to a camp like this against my will, my parents, I mean, you know, you got to do it, I guess, in their circumstances anyway, like they're sort of forced to go. But they're not, like, kicking and screaming and crying about it. They're just like, all right, you know, let's just fucking get this over with. Well, and they, they take the, the – I, I appreciate that they the They take film, it in stride. They do, but I, I appreciate that the the filmmakers take a moment to address the reasons why the people are there. Now, before mm. before – that were introduced to the staff, and there's not very many of them, so just really quick, there's, of course, uh, Owen Whistler. It's Whistler Camp. Um, Owen is Kevin Bacon. He's the main guy. Um, his wife is the psychologist uh, for the camp. She's played by Carrie Preston, who I recognize. She's a character actress. She does r- small roles in lots and lots of things. Uh, I recognized mm-hmm. her as one of the funny singing twins from my best friend's wedding but she's in lots of things um and then there's 
Molly, who is the camp nurse, played by Anna Klumsky, who I love. I mean, you know, breakout role in My Girl when she was just a little girl, and then she took a long break from acting to get her education, and then she came back, and she's been incredibly successful uh, since then. Zane... Uh, played by Boone Platt is the athletic director and he's this big hulking you know kind of creepy guy and his wife Sarah who's the activities director Owen says that Zane is a former camper and uses mm-hmm. him as kind of an example of how this, you know, look, it can work. You know, look at him, straight as can be. I have a feeling that Sarah was probably a former camper, too, based on things that happened later. Oh, for sure. In the movie. Yeah. And then there's uh, Balthazar, the handyman, and Duke the dog. <laughs> He's cute. Okay, so that's the staff. And, and they collect all their cell phones and computers and medications and stuff and say how this is going to be a safe space and the only rule here is respect. We're all going to respect each other, whatever. Once they get all the, the cabin stuff sorted out, which you've already talked about, then they have kind of a circle where they meet. And, and all of our main characters, there's, I don't know, five or six central campers who we get to know. I kind of feel bad because <laughs> there are other campers, too, who just are always hanging out in the background and, and <laughs> yeah. I, I i wanted to know more about them but that's okay it's already kind of a, a big cast um but what i liked about you know they take the time to explain why they're there some of them have bargained with their parents like Jordan, they made a deal with their parents that if they came to camp for a week, then they would be allowed to emancipate themselves uh, legally. Toby is a a black young gay man. He made a deal with his parents that if he came to the camp that they would send him to New York City to go see some big Broadway show. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, so some of them, some of them bargained with their parents for something, um, but some of them want to be there and want to change. Like, Stu is, well, he's an athlete. He's a swimmer, and he's, he's big and masculine and... He talks about how he's got this whole path laid out for him, that he's an athlete and he's going to go to college on an athletic scholarship and he's supposed to join... Daisy had something to say about it, sorry. (laughs) And he's going to join his dad's fraternity and he just doesn't know how that's going to work because he's so uncomfortable. Like when he's in the locker room, he doesn't know where to look because he's gay uh, and he doesn't want to be. Kim is a pretty blonde girl and she is gay but closeted and she just desperately wants to fit in and being gay makes that impossible in her mind so i just i i appreciated the fact that they were there for different reasons and i appreciated the fact that some of them were there because they really hoped it would work i can only imagine that that's probably true you know there are lots of young gay people who feel like their lives would be better and easier if they weren't queer and and that's sad but i think that it's a reality and i appreciated that they reflected that here again it just it seems thoughtful you know it seems like they were very careful in their portrayal of these young queer people to try to be as honest as they could about that experience and to show a variety of experiences because not all gay people are the same and not all queer people 
are the same or have the same experiences. Sure. Anyway, there, there's the whole group of them. There, and another thing that I liked is I think that they were also very careful about representation in the performers. The two trans characters are portrayed by trans actors. I don't know if all of the actors identify as the same way as their character, but it seems like they did take into consider fair representation in casting too which again mm-hmm. i respect and appreciate 100 percent agreed on all that it's easy to get all this stuff out because they're at this camp there's like a circle you know kind of like with counseling or with or maybe your first day at camp your get to know kind of thing yeah where everybody just goes around and basically is supposed to talk about themselves and why they're there and what they want to get out of it and there's more that's spilled out you know, in more natural ways as characters talk with each other throughout it. But uh-huh. it's pretty quick that you get the majority of exactly what you said, you know, right there. And and of course, Kevin Bacon's character, you can tell, is trying very hard to come across as a very nice, very understanding, accepting counselor type person. But you can also sort of tell this is a trained response, you know, like he has well oiled his approach to this to ease the kids into a sense of complacency. And then as the movie goes on, we realize that, you know, the the camp is not going to be like that. And we kind of have to assume the camp isn't going to be like that because it's a gay conversion therapy camp, right? So, I mean, it it has that goal and they're not known for being, (laughs) you know, gracious and, and accepting. And so... I feel like there's a better, smarter, more sophisticated horror movie in here that really just can just be more or less realistic about the kinds of things and the psychological manipulation and uh, little digs and little hurts and little pains that I imagine. I mean, I've never been to one of these camps, but I can only imagine that that has to happen, right? And And there's some of that in this movie, but it kind of really pops in out of left field, I think. I don't feel like it's eased into as much as it sort of could be. Because as soon as we get sort of smarmy Kevin Bacon being nice and everybody kind of getting to know each other and everything seems like it could be fairly copacetic in a way, I don't remember which happens first. I don't remember if the walk into the woods uh, in the middle of the night happens first or if it's one of the characters is sitting in front of Kevin Bacon's character's wife, Cora. And Cora is just very direct and uh, just basically very psychologically manipulative to this person. It's horrible. Um, it's absolutely horrible. She's talking to Jordan, trans, non-binary. She talks about how, like, didn't fit in with the rest of your family. Because they they, when they had him out in the woods, the woods was first. They took him out oh, in the woods, right. handcuffed them together in pairs, and just left them there overnight. And I really think they said it was to kind of build trust between them or something it's not it was just to get them away from the camp so they could snoop through their stuff which they did yeah it's exactly what it was cora in jordan's stuff found a picture of them when they were young and and still being treated as a girl and and they're from a military family so cora talks about how she was from a military military family too and she just couldn't fit in i know because no matter what you do you'll never be good enough or straight enough, or man enough, or woman enough. It's like you're nothing to them. You're not even a freak. You're nothing. So what do you do? You try to make yourself special. 
So they'll see you. So they'll notice you. So they'll love you. You become they. Honey, that's not gonna work. This thing you invented, it's a fake. They're never gonna love you. No one is. Not unless you drop this nonsense and admit what you are. A scared, lonely, ugly, little dyke. And she says it all with a smile on her face and then just says, okay, well, that's enough for today and, and sends them off. It's super creepy. And also, like, I thought I was a little disappointed at this point in the movie, you know, because it took this turn so quickly. I, I just sort of felt like the movie was setting up us up for this sort of slow burn of slow, sophisticated sort of psychological tortures that, you know, were not so bold and bald. I don't know, maybe pulling a person away from everybody else and talking to them individually is secretive or whatever, but I, I, I think I was just expecting it to be a little more clever, <laughs> cleverly malicious, and it just turns out, no, she's just gonna, like, I presume, pull each one of them in there and call them dykes and things. Well, right, and just, she's playing to their insecurities on purpose uh, yeah. to, to try to break them down, and I... <sighs> I she's just, the bad cop, right? He's the good cop, she's the bad cop, I guess. Right, but she does it all with a smile on her face in a very gentle tone. You know, she hides behind her medical license, which I don't even know if I believe that this woman is really a psychologist anyway. You know, that sure. would call into question all kinds of ethical things. I don't know if I even buy that, but she does it under the guise of trying to help them, of trying to help them to realize who they are and what they've done and why they've made this choice. And they, they, she keeps emphasizing that too, that it's a choice. You've made this choice to be this person. When I think most intelligent modern people understand that <laughs> identity is not a choice in, in that way. Um, yeah. it's, it's just part of who a person is and yes young people sometimes struggle to find their identity but to to write it off as a choice and as a bad choice as a mistake is is so uh, it, it's passive aggressive it's hateful it's mean it's judgmental and uh clueless and and clueless <laughs> and and queer kids face it all the time they face from the outside they face from the inside you know uh some of these people their own parents their own families um feel this way and make them feel as though they have made bad choices and and are a mistake and the other thing you know jordan is painted uh, of all of these kids as being one of the most secure in their identity Mm -hmm. but this even impacts them it, it, it hurts them and i i'm glad that the movie shows that you know even even the toughest of people of kids can still be hurt when they're intentionally broken down like that and one of the next you know things that we see is they're laying in their bed and they're crying alexandra the other trans character you know asks if they're okay and 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 they basically say no they're not and and they they talk a little bit and <laughs> Alexandra you know is 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 very very supportive 
she too seems very, very confident in her identity. And it gets a little cheesy. She starts quoting a pink song and then they break out and there's like a musical number. As much as much (laughs) as much as I like the movie and as much as I kind of get what they were going for. You know, it's it's a camaraderie thing. You know, it and nothing against Pink. I like Pink, but the the lyrics in, especially in this context, are a little cheesy. A little too on the nose, you know. A little too on the nose. I mean, it's cute. It's cute to see them all up and singing and dancing together, but a little much. It could have been worse. It could have been could have been born this way you know I yeah. suppose it <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it was, ju- it's it's ju- it's all it's almost there yeah so i thought that was uh that was disappointing you know i thought that was disappointing too but uh, whatever okay it just but made that's... me roll my eyes a little bit like i get the intent of it and i do appreciate that and i do you know uh i i'm so glad that young people today do have a community when i was in high school that didn't exist i'm sure that i went to school with other gay people but we didn't talk about it Mm -hmm. it would have been dangerous to talk about it you know i i very narrowly avoided some physical abuse on more than one occasion and and that was when i was still very much in the closet and today you know i work in a high school and and there is a community not only of queer kids but of their allies and uh they have a lot more freedom not not to say that there's not still risk involved because there certainly is but they have a lot more freedom to really be who they are and they've got a support system in place not only with one another but with uh teachers and faculty and staff um so and and i and i appreciate that you know that's i think these uh conversion camps and i haven't done a ton of research into these i know that they exist i know what they're about um but i think that in some sense they backfire a little bit because you bring Mm. all of these young people together and they're bound to form bonds with one another and they're bound to form a community and and when you have a community like that there's strength in that so they they may be able to break some people and i'm sure that they do even in the movie, you see that just being amongst other young people, there's one character, Kim. She's very pretty and feminine, um, and she's one of the ones who's there because she doesn't want to be different. She doesn't want to be gay. But once she is surrounded by a community of other people like her, it empowers her and, and emboldens yeah. her to embrace who she is, uh, and that's cool. <laughs> and I was also going to say, as I was watching this movie and thinking about it, it's also like like any other summer camp. You know, whatever it is, you get a bunch of you know young kids like this together. They're also going to try to hook up. <laughs> oh heck yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I I did I had several summer camps, right? I mean, what for? What was sort of not first and foremost on my mind, but at least, you know, second or third down on the list of all of us was, you know, 
who's the cute one here? You know, who can we? Oh yeah. The, so like in in that way, it sort of backfires too. And and they and this is what happens also at this camp. Of course, they're bonding, they're getting close, and they they're starting. To, they develop a few attachments for each other. And I was a little surprised in the it's how the movie portrayed it anyway at the degree of freedom and lack of supervision that they seemed to have. Yeah. And I felt like especially for something like this, some a gay conversion camp, as insidious as this one is, and as much as they're actually kind of using that to to catch the kids in a few ways, still, there was still a, a distinct lack of supervision that I do not think you would find sure. <laughs> in, in one of these for real. Well, I mean... To be fair, it's a really small staff. That yeah, like, and what, and three people, four people. Yeah, yeah, like five of them in total, including the the owner. Um, and and the staff are all pretty horrible, except for the nurse Molly, who's new. This is her first year there, and Anna Klumski is just very charming and endearing. Period. But you know, there are little things like. Um, Alexandra goes to her and says, I know that we had to turn in our medications, but I need my pills. And at first she claims that they're antidepressants. As misguided as they may be about some things, I can't just ignore protocol. It's not Zoloft, all right? Estradiol. It's an estrogen hormone. I made a deal with my parents. I know. You come here or they throw you out. It's... It's not that at all. When I turned 18, I thought there was nothing they could do to stop me. But I was wrong. I have a younger brother, and he means the world to me. And I mean the world to him. And they said that if I did not come to this place, that they would never let me see him again. And and so Molly does give her her medicines and just says well this will just be our little secret at some point jordan sneaks out of his cabin in the middle of the night and snoops around in the main office and finds pictures of former campers who have clearly been horribly abused physically yeah you know i just i just thought all this came on quite suddenly and really out of left field I wasn't really sure why he was snooping around and going through drawers or something. There didn't seem to be any clear motivation for it. And then, what, like, this camp is going to have these, like, carefully printed photos of, of, of child abuse and stuff just in a desk somewhere? Like, what, what does he pull it out every now and then and kind of look at, the, flip through them wistfully, you know? like yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, Molly comes in. Uh, it was Molly, right, who comes in and interrupts him. Right. Or they. They says, did you know this was going on? And uh, Molly says, uh, no, I don't know. She's a little coy about it, but she's sort of like, not really. I mean, it's, it's just a lot to happen within like five minutes. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a major escalation in a way that I thought was really kind of um, wedged into the movie almost because I was expecting some different kind of build. I was accepting other little sort of hints that something were, things were not off just because this was a conversion camp, but this was maybe like, you know, a psycho conversion camp, you know? Yeah. And yet it's just, it's like he, they just decide to go into, snoop around and finds these conveniently placed photos. Well, I, I, I think that they're just 
naturally very suspicious. They think that there's something insidious going on. And, and of, of course there is. Um, but Molly also, you know, she kind of acts like she maybe kind of had some idea that something like this might be going on, but mm. like she didn't know the extent of it. But she does warn Jordan. Alexandra said you helped her with her pills. Now you have to help all of us. Do what? Protect us. From what? From this. I'll do what I can. But Jordan, be careful. This could get a lot worse and he doesn't like you. Well, he has no idea who he's hunting this time. Oh, God. And then the next day, they separate the boys <laughs> Once again, and the girls. boys and girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Which they're quite, I mean, they're quite like, uh, like, I guess they're used to it. So they just sort of like roll their eyes at it. Right. Well, it, but that's the thing, like. Uh, Owen supposedly, you know, he's, he told Jordan, go with the boys, and then if you don't feel comfortable, we can talk about it or whatever. But he forces Alexandra mm-hmm. to participate with the boys. Mm-hmm. And she is quite clearly not a boy. Like, yeah. <laughs> she is very clearly a woman. And, you know, they won't allow her to wear um girls clothes so she has yeah she has to borrow uh clothes from the boys and i like jordan wears a dress in protest after that which i thought was cute and funny <laughs> but they separate them and they say that today they're going to focus on traditional gender roles yeah and it's so gross like it is just absolutely disgusting it is yeah the the bullshit stereotypical gender roles like uh, Sarah, the activities director, like, f- you. <laughs> yeah. it's it's really comical, actually, and the way that she says it's funny too. Today, we're going to be exploring traditional gender roles by behaving in a certain way, by learning to recognize and accept modes of societal behaviors. Perhaps we'll come to appreciate the emotional value in reinforcing these behaviors, even finding comfort and a sense of community within them. So, ladies, let's make a pie. <laughs> and I'm like, but um, ching. <laughs> oh, God, know? it gets even worse. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And what are the men doing? They're going hunting, right? They're all going to have guns. And at first, they're, you know, shooting targets. And it turns out that Jordan is actually quite good at shooting. Uh-huh. And uh, has like a little mini competition between... Uh, Jordan and uh, that, Zane. that guy, Zane, right? And then uh, Kevin Bacon's character uh, comes out and says, okay, now, you know, shooting targets is all well and good and gives this long speech about our how we evolved and how men evolved differently from women and men who were traditionally hunters and had to provide for the family and hunt and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't shoot targets. You know, they had to hunt flesh to eat and bring back and all that and how which one of you has the balls to 
to hunt flesh. He calls out Toby. There's been this dog that we were introduced to in the very beginning. That One of the characters, it's a hound dog, and one of the characters kind of makes a comment like, yeah, that dog is clearly sick. I can tell by the way it's walking. It's very old and it's sick. And of course, this comes to play now where uh, Kevin Bacon says, you see the, the dog over there? He has cancer. Put him out of his misery. And then... Uh, Zane is over there with a sledgehammer, and uh, yeah, he says, "If you don't shoot, if you don't shoot the dog, then Zane's gonna smash his, his legs leg. with the sledgehammer, and then he'll be in pain and he'll be scared, but he won't be able to run because his legs will be broken. Like it's just sadistic. It's just it's it's horrible. It gets so sadistic, and 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 I guess again, this was kind of disappointing to me about the movie is that I felt like this could have been a little bit more psychological." And to me, the horror, honestly, was a little too much on the nose. And it veered away again. Look, it doesn't have to be all about the psychological horrors of a gay conversion camp. But, I mean, here we are, and you were exploring that territory. What are these kids? I mean, if all these kids get out of here fine and they go home, like, they're going to be lawsuits out the wazoo, you know, with the stuff that's going on at this camp. And I can't imagine, like, it would be that bold and straight. You know, I just can't imagine. I can believe it. I know, but the people who send their kids to these camps... They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. You know, and and I don't think that they would ever, you know, outright say that they would intentionally put their kids in harm's way, but they know what's going on. We've all heard the horror stories, not just about these kinds of camps, but even camps where they send, you know, quote-unquote delinquents you know like yeah like these scare them straight kind of camps people know what's going on there and it is up. but it is but i mean is it that i mean i i imagine it's just this sort of intense counseling like like the baking the pie and the things like that but don't you think that even the most hardened person if they learned that their kid was forced to shoot a dog you know to I, make I some don't know. point I don't know, yeah. because I, you know, I've heard about these places and, you know, like even, um, not that I'm holding her up to any kind of, you know, level of esteem or anything, but like Paris Hilton was sent to one of these types of places and, you know, they, they do practice like isolation and, um, yeah. all kind of, it, Drew Barrymore, kind of same, type same stuff, thing, yeah. right, yeah. They try to break them. They they yeah. break them down so they can rebuild them the way that they want them. So I imagine these things do happen. I don't know. I knew what was going to happen in this moment. I knew that Toby wouldn't be able to shoot the dog, and I knew that Jordan would do it mm-hmm. to to prevent somebody else from having to or to prevent <laughs> the dog from being tortured. And 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 they do. And then Jordan Ains the going at Owen for a, a minute uh-huh. or so. That, that was an interesting moment. Oh, they have a bit of a stare down there. Uh, I liked that moment, actually. I thought that was kind of cool. Another thing that it's only explored briefly, but um, these types of camps, I think, put children in really dangerous positions because they provide opportunities for predators. Mm. Sarah, the activities director, after all the girls make their pies, she sends them all away except for Kim. And then she blatantly hits on her. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, it's it's very sexual in nature. And I imagine that that kind of abuse uh, is not uncommon in these types of places as well because it's hypocritical, 
and yet the whole time I was also wondering, is this a setup, you know? I don't is think she so. testing her? No, I don't think it was. But uh, at that moment in the movie, I was skeptical of everything that was going on. I thought everything was manipulation, and I thought, hmm, is this woman setting her up somehow, you know? Like, is she coming on to her so that she can, like, punish her later for succumbing to it? It's possible, but I... It's it's not really I don't a spoiler. Think so. I, I don't think uh, we learn later because she remember she's married to Zane, who we know was a former camper. I assume that she was too because we see them later. They steal the kids' phones and hack into them, and we see the two of them laying in bed in their underwear, scrolling through these kids' pictures and looking at their sexy selfies. And they each pick uh, like an underwear shot of one of the campers and then they start to have sex staring like Zane is staring at an underwear shot of stew I think and and she is staring at a picture of of Kim yeah it's gross and then they get killed like we just as the the movie makers have forgotten that this is a slasher movie. We we know this. We know this because there is the first kill. There's always a first kill in the slasher movie, and there is in this one too. A woman gets killed on the road outside of the camp by a masked killer, and this masked killer kind of shows up and just in the background every once in a while. But it's really not until the last third of the movie that the killer really shows up. Oh God. Yeah, like the last 20 minutes, really. It is so late in the movie that, like you said, you're forgetting you're watching a slasher. And that doesn't happen until after some other horrifying things happen. Yeah, I mean, one good thing is, you know, Kim is very upset after having been hit on by Sarah, but it also kind of opens her up to be intimate with uh, Veronica. They've kind of been flirting. They they have sex (laughs) on the dock. Right out in the middle of the open. <laughs> yeah, which is a little, I don't know. I mean, it's its kind of a hot sex scene, but at the same time, it's just kind of nice to see Kim finally accept who she is and, yeah. and, and release, enjoy herself. And, and enjoy herself and release her inhibitions. And then, you know, mm. the, the, yes, they do have sex out there on the dock and it's sexy and all that stuff, but they have a connection. You know, it's not like it's a... Yeah. It's just a, a fling, you know, they're, they're connected. But now, at this point, they've seen enough. Alexandra and Jordan have seen enough, and they're going to get out of there. And they tell Toby that they're going to go, and Toby's like, they're, they say, we're going to steal the bus, we're going to get up real, real early in the morning and steal the bus and go. And Toby's like, well, what about the others? What about Stu? Because he and Stu have also kind of been a little flirty. And so they decide, okay, well, we'll wake everybody up and tell them what we're doing and give them the choice. And if they want to go, they can go, but they don't have to. They can do whatever they want. Then we see Stu, who we know is a swimmer, swimming in the lake. He's gorgeous. I mean, he's just, you know, a, a fine figure of a man. But he is joined by Gabriel, who we haven't mentioned. Gabriel is kind of this androgynous uh, character who you know, has has been there, you know, all along. We just haven't mentioned him. And Gabriel kind of seduces Stu, and they make out in the lake a little bit, and then they move to this creepy-ass tool shed that we've seen before <laughs> and have sex. And I'm not going to get into it because there's no... 
A, we don't have time for a lesson, and B... I know. I also know what you're going to (laughs) say. B, um, it would be a little bit too graphic, perhaps, for our audience. But it bothers me. The director of this movie is an openly gay man. They never get gay sex right in movies. No, this uh, this would not be able to happen. This no, <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. I was thinking it the whole time. <laughs> From what I understand, it really doesn't work that way in straight sex either. Um, but oh. especially, well, some, maybe sometimes if I, again depends on the person. But let's yeah. not get too graphic about it. But right. in gay sex, it doesn't just happen like that. Other yeah. things need to happen first. <laughs> right. You have to prep. You have to prep a little bit. <laughs> That's exactly right. But anyway. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, okay. So they have sex, but it's a trap. Apparently, Gabriel has been in on it all the time. He's a plant. He is a yeah. plant, and he's their forbidden fruit, and he's there to tempt the guys. And if the guys give into it, um, then they get the real conversion therapy, which is clockwork orange like torture <laughs> therapy yeah. where they they strap Stu down in this chair they hook up these electrical wires to his chest and then they show him images of hot guys and electrocute him uh-huh and it's terrible and it leaves terrible burns on his chest and apparently you know they nearly kill him so they take him to Molly the nurse and she is done she's like I'm done this is ridiculous I'm going to call the cops and Kevin Bacon's like do whatever you want like I'm on the city council or whatever he's like i'm you know totally reputable around here nobody's gonna listen to you which again scary in and of itself because those types of politics do happen all the time but then the slasher just starts killing not everybody but (laughs) kills uh zane and kills sarah while they're in bed together uh, has already killed Balthazar, the creepy handyman, because he was watching the girl shower on surveillance cameras. Um, and then Jordan, I think, or somebody stumbles upon all these bodies. So everybody knows that there's a killer out there. Cora goes to get some rifles. She gets killed. This all happens so fast. Like, yeah. th- like they remembered that they needed to have a slasher movie in the last 15 minutes. And Jordan, um, well, they send Alexandra off with all the extra campers, the ones whose names we don't know. They send her, they, she says, I'm, I'm walking out of here. Um, and they send the other campers with her. And then Jordan goes to get the guns, finds Cora's dead body in a closet, and then is hiding in the closet when the main guy, what's his name, Owen, uh, comes in. And Owen is confronted by the killer. And here's where it's the big reveal. The killer is Molly, the nurse. And at this moment, right before the unmasking, I'm thinking, who can it be? Mm -hmm. Like, it's surely somebody we know. But I never for a second thought that it would be her. Yeah, me neither. Because she's so nice. Uh, But it turns out... She was a former camper. She was terribly abused, and she has come back to exact her revenge. And uh, there's a showdown where, like, Jordan, she's going to kill Owen, but then Jordan comes out, and he... I don't remember exactly how it goes down, but Molly tries to convince Jordan to kill Owen. 
um, and says, you know, we can we can end this. We can uh, shut down this camp, and then we can just keep going. We can go to all the other camps and make sure that nobody ever does this again. And it's supposed to be this cathartic moment where Jordan realizes that they don't have to do this. They can make their own decisions and, you know, be the person that they want to be, which is not a killer. But uh, Molly is still able to first impale Owen on a rhino horn because there's <laughs> heads of animals mounted all over this cabin. Um, yeah. And then uh, she slits his throat. And then the cops show up and that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, that's it. There's nothing nothing more to be said, really. They have kind of a little, little everybody kind of has a little moment and uh, they're going to kind of walk off into the sunset and that's basically... Walk off into the sunset, you know... They they all promise that they're gonna live their best lives. Like Kim is gonna come out to her parents, and it's all maybe it's a little too sappy. I think it's a little trite. <laughs> it is. It trite is. And, yeah, trite is the word. Yeah, I I, I do want to say that I really enjoyed Anna Klumski's performance. Oh yeah, she seemed like a broken person, not a bad person. Somebody who had been driven, you know, had been driven to this due to the abuse that she had suffered at this camp and she talks about that she talks about how uh, she had been broken by them and and again I think that that not that people who go to these types of camps or any kind of behavior aversion type camp or whatever I, I think that people can be scarred psychologically um and have to live with those wounds for the rest of their lives uh again not that they're all going to turn into masked killers but i do think that it's a good allegory for the way that these people can be broken and uh you know so that you know like like you said they're all going to walk off into the sunset cue pink <laughs> right. again come on oh, please why i mean Look, at the end of the day, I, it's not a bad movie. As a horror movie, it's not that great, honestly. But we've seen so much worse. I was a little disappointed. I thought the movie had more promise than it delivered. It wasn't very well reviewed. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to read why. I didn't. I don't know if you did. Did you get to read why people didn't care for it too much? Well, I mean, for the reasons that we've said, that you know, yeah. it's a little uneven, it's a little unbalanced. Um, some felt that it was a little preachy, which I don't think, but I can understand how somebody... Well, I, I don't think it's an bit... unfair argument. I think maybe the reason that I'm reluctant to call it preachy is because that has a negative connotation. I, I do think that there's an intentional message, but I agree with and support the message, so it doesn't come across as preachy to me. I think it's an important message, and and I think that this is... A good movie for queer kids, you know, to yeah. to see, you know, maybe somebody like them represented in film in an honest and, and fair way and to not just be a gag or a victim or a killer. You know, like the, the other when I think uh, transgender horror movie, I think of Sleepaway Camp and. You know, I I like that movie. I think it's a great cult classic movie, but it equates 
being transgender with being mentally unbalanced. And and that's yeah. that's often how being queer is portrayed in these types of movies. Or it's portrayed as the joke. You know, there's the funny gay sidekick, which again, I'm not personally offended by, but I can understand how that would be tiresome for some well, people. What was the slasher movie that we watched at Halloween? It was the other very overtly queer film. What was it? Uh, Hellbent? Hellbent, yes. When I think of Hellbent, actually, I think Hellbent was better than this movie. It was a more direct, scary movie. And again, I think that it was fair in its representation. I mean, these were... It was fair and and also casual, more casual in its representation. Right. Now... the main characters the main characters just happen to be gay you know like that exactly and so like everything kind of like you know their, their characterizations were quite natural and natural surroundings and context but of course you know if that movie had happened at a conversion camp it probably would have been slightly different because yeah. the context is different so the characters are going to be talking about it more and they're forced to confront it themselves and you know that that's got to co- play out on screen so i mean i'll give it that kind of allowance but i i still felt like perhaps the movie was just a little too and you're right preachy isn't the right word just maybe in some sometimes it was just a little too on the nose it felt like maybe it was trying a little too hard at times Fair enough. But, you know, uh, there aren't enough movies out there trying to do any of this stuff. So, and it was it was sensitive, and it was fair, and it was honest in its representation. I felt. I thought so. So, yeah, it had all that going for it, despite the fact that I, I was like, oh, come on, Pink, just back off just a little bit in service to reality. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not that I require a lot of reality out of my horror movies. Sure, but, you know. sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, I liked the movie overall, um, but it was a little bit light. It was a little bit light on the horror, horror conventions. Yeah. And the horror conventions were very typical. I mean, it's just a, a masked killer at, at, a, at a summer camp. You know, and, and electrical torture in the creepy ass cabin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, even the even the creepy ass cabin I, I kind of rolled my eyes at. I was like real like they've got this one cabin on the property that just stands there and looks like, you know, the whole family up. from Texas Chainsaw Massacre could be residing inside of it. I, I would have expected their torture chamber to be a little more hidden than that, but you know. Right. Whatever. Not unlocked so that you could just stumble into it and find chains and hooks and things hanging around, which is exactly um what that cabin is like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought if they I thought they were trying to make a joke at first when they stumbled into that cabin, but no, I mean it was a serious thing. I think that the movie will be polarizing for horror fans. I think that there will be those of us who appreciate what they were trying to do even if it wasn't a bullseye, but then I think that there will be others who feel that it wasn't horror enough that it was too focused Mm. on messaging and and some of the the horror elements were lost i thought it was good i thought the performances were good um i really really liked the young cast um they were endearing it their their performances felt respectful and real and honest and i liked that uh is it great no, but I think it was good, and I'm glad to have seen it. I might even watch it again at some point. Who knows? 
Well, thank you again for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. So please let us know of any other films you would like us to do in the future. You can just leave us a message on our webpage, twoguys.red40net.com, or uh, shoot us a tweet on Twitter or our Facebook page. Just search for Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast, and you'll find any of those there. Also, if you're a fan of the podcast, please con- consider supporting us on Patreon. You can just go to patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. Until next time, I am Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Ah.